0: Welcome, Temple family and friends. We're so glad to have you joining us for another episode of Temple Talk. This podcast aims to engage our faith community through thoughtful biblical discussions centered on God's Word. Our goal is to explore scripture together to discover the wisdom it has for our lives. In this podcast, we'll be diving deep into God's truths and discussing how they impact our daily living. We're eager to unpack the riches of the Bible with you all, our extended church family. And now, here's Temple Talk. Welcome back, Temple family and friends. We are so happy to be back with you again for uh, reviewing another lesson of Dr. Ewart's. This one is coming from Nehemiah chapter 11 and 12. We actually uh, went over two chapters. So as always, I am joined by our executive pastor, Bennett Holloway. Bennett, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing well. I'm doing well. We're on the recovery road of sickness and enjoyed Mm -hmm. some fantastic weather Yesterday, downtown at Mumfest here in New Bern, North Carolina, and uh, a small-town feeling, and it was uh, it was a lot of fun. So we had a great Sunday, great worship, great lesson, and I'm excited to unpack this stuff with you, Tuck. Yeah.
0: Um, before we get started, uh, Dr. York mentioned that we have a special service coming up on October 29th. Can you tell us what that involves?
1: Yeah, so on October 29th, we're just going to be very intentional about uh, the two ordinances that we see in the New Testament, and and primarily it's going to be focusing on baptism. We're going to have baptism and testimonies take place uh, during the service, along with communion, uh, where we'll participate in communion together as a congregation. So uh, my big plug there is if baptism is that next step for you, if you have not been baptized and you have questions about uh, what baptism is and what it represents, my big encouragement is to reach out to our church, call our church offices, and they'll put you in contact with a pastor or a minister that can help guide you through that process on whether or not baptism is something that you should be doing on October 29th. Um, but then again, our big encouragement as a church is to continue just to prepare your hearts as we—we uh, we do take very seriously— Um, communion. It's not something that's lackadaisical, uh, but in remembrance of the price that Christ paid, uh, we prepare our hearts so that we may sit at this table and break His bread uh, and and drink this juice in remembrance of the blood that was shed and the body uh, that He chose to sacrifice for the forgiveness of our sins and uh, really our eternal life, so the gift that He's given us through it.
0: Awesome. Looking forward to that coming up in the next couple weeks. Um, so looking at this sermon, uh, we covered, like I said, Nehemiah 11 and 12. Uh, we are coming towards the end of this book, uh, and what Dr. Ewart was really bringing out this week was the walls and the temple are finished, the, yes. what you would think was the big work to be done, but we now see there is bigger work to be done. They need a lot of new things to help prepare themselves. Uh, he brings up that there are new people needed, new purity, new praise, and new provisions. So talk to me about how you see this when, you know we think we got all the big things taken care of. We've finished the walls, we've finished the temple, um, but now we need to work on the the people.
1: What I love about his parallel here on the new things that are needed to incorporate this new commitment, uh, this this new praise and worship and these provisions that are brought forward by God through his people and their disposition of sharing joyfully, what I love about this is it, it reminds us that sometimes we think the one thing that needs to be done— is a simple one-step process, mm-hmm. and I can testify to my own personal life, it's, it's, it's behavior modification is a solution. If I can just do this, then I will be a better person, mm-hmm. or I will be happier, or I will be more content, or I will be more secure, or I will be more confident, or capable, or all of these things, if I could just do this. And as we look at Nehemiah, they've, they've done it. They've, they've rebuilt the walls. They've re-secured it. They've accomplished, God's accomplished it through them in an incredible way in the midst of turmoil internally, persecution externally. And yet God uh, proved himself faithful through the leadership of Nehemiah. And then all of a sudden we see this continued need to be intentional because these aren't just single solve for X formulas. These are algorithms that do take time, that do require patience, that de- required them to depend on God as they then answer the question how to develop a healthy Israel, how to develop a healthy Jerusalem in the context of this re-established wall, in this re-established city, in this re-established covenant that their leadership had stepped into. Now it's time to start moving in. It's time to get new people in. It's time to time to commit ourselves to a way of living that is contradictory to the way we just repented of living. That there's there's this there's a new intentionality with our worship and praise. And and there's a new way that we see the things that which God has stewarded to us and through the provisions and and providing the things uh, to the city and to the temple. And so I love that the parallels, not only between the church and, and Nehemiah, but also our church, mm-hmm. temple, and the temple, and Nehemiah. And so these parallels behind new people coming in, new staff coming on, as we pray for this new chapter, this new season uh, as a church, and then also really check in our own hearts as we navigate our stewardship of what He's brought and the praise that is on our lips, and really the pursuit of purity as to His will to be done in our lives.
0: And you know, as you're talking through that, it it reminds me. They they say, you know, the big they um, say that it takes about thirty days to build a habit. And it's so easy in that first week, that second week, whatever you're trying to do, whether it's pray more often, read your Bible, or even secular, like go to the gym, it's so easy to get discouraged in those first couple weeks um, as you're moving forwards that. This isn't working. I'm not feeling it. But really sticking to it and getting to that place where it it buries itself in your heart instead of just in your mind makes all that difference.
1: Yeah, Tuck. And something that that is so difficult sometimes is not only to experience change in your own life through really focusing on maybe applying these seven virtues that we see in Scripture or these spiritual disciplines or this this way of living that we see day to day, these decisions, these choices that I'm making— um, but also change is difficult, and that's one thing that we, this weekend we had a very first pastor search team report that was presented to the church, and I'm just so thankful for how Dr. Ewart is leading that pastor search team through a process of really intentionally being prayerful as the Holy Spirit guides us in this, in this portion as we are praying for a level of patience Dependency on Him and unity in the body of Christ, and so their report was was positive. They walked through the different uh, different roles of the members that uh, are on the team while they were on the stage, and it really jumpstarts us. And my prayer is that we, as a congregation, are intentionally praying continually over this process because there's a burden that really is unseen that was just put on the shoulders of that team. There's this burden. Right. And there's also this level of attack that they've opened themselves up to willingly with the responsibility of what they're needing to do as a team. But also how this very thing is the very thing that the devil doesn't want to see. The devil doesn't want to see a healthy temple that's reestablished on mission for God, unified by what God is wanting to do through the church. And so this pastor search team, they've done an incredible job at communicating. They're going to continue to do an incredible job at communicating. And the primary driver and the ask uh, that Dave had for us is that we pray and we intercede and we pray and we pray and we pray on behalf of that team, over that team, over their families, their marriages, but also over their unity as they are led by the Holy Spirit in the discernment of what's next for our church.
0: Um, I think it kind of relates to this as well, but one of the big quotes that stuck out to me from Dr. Ewart was he said, see beyond the rubble for the potential. Let's go. And he was speaking about um, at the beginning of Nehemiah when he's walking around the city, he's physically having to walk over the rubble of the walls and the temple. Um,
1: right, because he was he was riding his horse mm-hmm. and his horse couldn't make it with him on his back. So he had to get down and he had to walk up and over the destruction, right, of the gates and the wall. Yep.
0: But I think that it's so true. It hit me in all the different parts of our lives, whether they are events that happen to us and we need to find our way out of it um, or even just seeing ourselves for what we can be instead of what we are in this moment.
1: And this is something that I'm really passionate about. I think it's built into my, I would say, worldview or the way that my mind operates – and I, I, I'm an optimistic kind of guy, and I love, I I know it's rare, it's weird. I love New Year's resolutions. I love new days. I love sunrises. I love new. And I and also to a degree, I do love change because it's in the midst of change where momentum can be developed. It's in the midst of change where we can repent, where I can repent and New patterns of behavior can be implemented. So when it comes to new, I love a new week. I love a new day. I, I, I love a new year and a new chapter and season. These are things that can be something that's incredibly positive. And so what I loved about Dr. Ewart's perspective here is, is the rubble. Some people see brokenness, mm-hmm. and, and, and they mourn over the thing, and they don't yet see the potential in the midst of what can be rebuilt. And I think there is a grieving process. You have to accept our brokenness. We have to accept our need of the Lord and, and, and our need to maybe repent and, and our need for God to move in our lives. We have to acknowledge the rubble. But what I love is this pattern that we see in God as he looks at the people all throughout Scripture. There's a consistent pattern that comes up. And I want to read to you out of Romans chapter 4, verses 17 and 18. This is in reference to Abram, right? This is in reference to Abraham. He says in verse 17, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations in this presence, in the presence of him who he believed. That is God, who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that do not exist. In hope, against hope, he believed, so that he might become the father of many nations according to which had been spoken so shall your descendants be. God's telling him, I have made you the father of many nations. Do you know how many children Abraham had whenever that was spoken to him? 0. And so in Romans here, Paul's writing to the church, and he's talking about this 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 thing that God does where he doesn't see you as rubble and, and when he, he names you and he knows you and he calls you. When Jesus Christ called the disciples, he didn't call them because of their, their how incredible they are, how astute they are, how capable they are at articulating the gospel message. No, he called them for what he knew they would become. He looked at the rubble of our lives— And he saw the potential. This is the exact same thing that God has done in each and every single one of us. And sometimes that's a difficult thing for us to accept. It's difficult for us not to look at our brokenness, not to look at our destruction, not to look at the storms, not to look at our our, our difficult season that we're in and not see the rubble. And yet, God is consistent in calling out the very thing that He knows He will develop through that sanctifying process. He calls out the potential. And in many cases throughout all Scripture, he renames us as we are adopted. And I think that is just such an encouraging thing, this model that we see God doing with us. Dr. Ewert also explained, man, look at what happened with the rubble. It was actually the potential about what God wanted to do. And so for Hebrews 11, chapter 1, now faith is certainty of things hoped for, a proof of things not seen. And so this level of faith in Jesus Christ, the author and the perfecter of our faith, God's not only the one that can take us to this place of accepting and receiving the potential that he's wanting to do in us and the promises that he's spoken over us through his word, but also accepting, man, we're a bunch of, we're all a bunch of rubble and we need him. And so I loved that quote. I'm with you. I thought that was such a beautiful thing that he did. You know, and, and as we continue to walk through, we, we see and recognize that every, even once the wall has been completed, this big task, this very difficult thing that took place, um, it, it's like that's when the real work <laughs> begins, mm-hmm. right? And so getting the people ready mentally, physically, spiritually, um, and as they get really prepared and discipled in that process, um, we think we see a beautiful transition there. So as we work hard to rebuild these walls and to repopulate the city, what do you think, Tuck, what do you think that shows us when we're finishing big projects that God lays out? Some people are still uh, with their weapon in one hand and their tool in the other, right, as they're rebuilding uh, the dung gate. And, And some people, right, the wall is completed right? They, maybe, maybe they're more mature in what God has drawn through, or they're older at the end right, of their race. And so is it just done? Are they done? Um, and what hope do we have for the people that are still building their walls? What would you encourage and, and what goes through your mind in that process of what we've seen in these two chapters and how it applies to people that find themselves in different places?
0: So we're all running a race, but we all have a different starting and ending point. Based on how old we are, uh, where we are in our Christian walk, how long we've been with Christ, and I think it's one of the amazing things of God to be able to see through space and time. Right, He's not limited to the right here or the right now like we are. Um, and if we can take a little bit of His perspective and to put it into our eyes, when we're going through the rubble of whatever that difficulty is, whether it's you're going through a divorce, you've lost a job. Um, you're dealing with health issues or your family is. Um, one of the things that helps me get through that is realizing that this is preparing me for something. Um, and as we meet up with people in our lives, a lot of them need encouragement, and we are put into their lives for such a season as this um, to where you can speak hope and truth into their lives for something that I may have you know, gotten to that point. I've rebuilt my temple um, in this si- situation, and now I see someone who is preparing to go that down that journey, or they're right in the midst of it. And I have now a unique ability, because of what I've gone through, to be able to help and encourage and steer them towards God and show them what it looks like once you've gotten through that, maybe.
1: Hmm. That's good. What you just said reminded me of a scripture of it's James one two. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. So what you're saying is this disposition towards, um, Lord, I don't want to waste any any trial that I'm going through or any pain or hurt that I'm experiencing, and I'm going to trust in faith uh, that that you are going to grow in me your character, your perspective, and even a testimony mm-hmm. that can lead other people to maybe saving knowledge or hope as they're in the midst of this as I continue to grow. And I think that is a, it's a beautiful biblical example of really how to navigate. You know, I'm not there yet, mm-hmm. <laughs> and none of us really are, And so for those that are looking back at the wall that's built, there's still work to be done. There's encouragement to be given. Um, If you've got breath in your lungs and there's purpose to your step, and no one's one's story is finished until you're in his presence. Mm -hmm. And so I think that there's this encouragement to this older generation that, that there there is a younger generation that is desperately needing the wisdom and the hope and, and really the testimony of what you just said, that, that, that there is a sovereign God who loves and cares for us. But then this younger generation to recognize as we're building the wall or as we're going through what we're going through or we're going through a season or a task seems too big, too grand too impossible to accomplish. We know that we serve a God that does, that specializes not only in scripture, but in the lives and the testimonies of the people around us, that he is faithful and he is sovereign and he's good. And, and so there's this, there's this dynamic that we need to be reminded of that and we need to be encouraged in that. And I think being in a church that is critical because you're on an island if you're not, mm-hmm. if you're not surrounded by people, I can remind you of these things because we will all be going through. If you haven't yet, you will. We'll all be going through it. And so having people that like, can remind us of these things, um, it's a powerful way that I believe that God uh, is glorified in our relationships, specifically in the context of the local body of believers.
0: Mm-hmm. Especially with the small groups, as we, you know, we've mentioned several times on here. Right. A lot of times those can be your group of people that you can lean on when you're going through difficult times. Um, In some ways, it can become a mentorship, even if it's just for a short period of time. Um, One of the things that um, my wife likes to tell me, I know she got it from somewhere, is that people come into our lives or things happen for a reason, a season, or a lifetime. Mm -hmm. And so we try and put things into that perspective. And it's difficult sometimes to do in the moment right but we'll look back at something that's happened and we will we will categorize it to each other and say you know that friendship was just for a reason and i can see that now it helped me with this or it was for a season while i was in this location and that had to pass away as i moved to something else or or moved locations um or you look at some specific people and you say those are in my life for a lifetime because they are now my brothers and sisters
1: that's Ecclesiastes, man. So Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 8. Uh, let, me, let me just read. There's an appointed time for everything. And there's a time for every matter under heaven. A time to give birth and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot what is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time for laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to throw stones and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace and a time to shun embracing, a time to search and a time to give up as lost, a time to keep, a time to throw away, a time to tear apart and a time to sew together, a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. There is a season for it all, and I love that. Mm, What a gift. And so there there were seasons. There were seasons, and as we look at Nehemiah, uh, we also see this transition into a season of worshiping. And so they had an intentional strategy of prayer and worship around the city that concluded at a service at the temple And I thought that was a beautiful display of intentionality to the things that are unseen and the impact that worshiping can have in our lives and in our church.
0: I think it's a good example that we see time and time again in the Bible, but it really comes out here as well, is that whatever happens um, to the fathers of, of the Bible here, we see it turns into a reason for prayer, whether that is a good thing and we pray praise Um, Whether it's a difficult time and we pray for healing and for peace, um, I I think it's something that we need to continually work on because um, as much as I'm getting better at it, it is not always the first thing that I turn to, to go to God.
1: Mm Right, so that discipline of uh, the seven virtues of kingdom seekers, we pray continually, Mm -hmm. we pray nonstop, we're praying about it, something happens, we pray about it, something happens that's good, we pray about it, something happens that's bad, we pray about it, nothing's happening, we pray about it. It's almost (laughs) like the prescription that we've given and that we see through Scripture, right, Right, right. that we want to replicate is to pray continually, even a command, right, uh, to, to, to be joyful always, to pray without ceasing, okay? And so... There's this level of this dependence that our reaction, our response, everything about it needs to be directly to this dialogue with God and and, and sharing with him the burden and the pain, but also uh, this disposition of gratitude that we have, this thankfulness that we see not only in Nehemiah, uh, but also throughout all of Scripture.
0: So before celebrating the completed walls, they've, they've finished the walls, they've finished the temple, but before they celebrate, they clean themselves ritualistically and the people as well. What does that show about what we need to do as far as getting our hearts ready before just reacting?
1: That's a, that's a good question. So what is practically in the church today, what does it look like to prepare ourselves for worship.
0: And you mentioned that. So on on the 29th, we're doing uh, communion, and you mentioned prepare your minds. What does that look like for us?
1: What does preparing our hearts look like? So for communion, what it would look like is I'd go straight to 1 Corinthians. I'd go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and that's going to be a passage— that we'll end up talking about that day as well. But he writes here to the church of Corinth, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup after the supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant of, in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, right, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy way shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But a person must examine himself and in so doing, he is to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. So he gives us this, this really floor plan as to what we need to do as we approach and really to examine yourself mm-hmm. is to sit before the Lord and say, Holy Spirit, search my heart. I want you to bring up anything that I am doing or way that I'm living that is contradictory to your will. And Holy Spirit, I want to I see that sin rightly. I want to repent. I want to turn from it. I want to I want to I want to seek forgiveness. I want to receive your grace. I w- I want to receive really an understanding in my mind of how you see me as a child of the king. So so shame has no place in this situation. Looking back, you're forgiving me, but I, w- I, w- I want to move forward into what you have for me. And I have to recognize there's a sanctifying process that's taking place, and it will happen until I'm fully in your presence. And so it's really examining our hearts. It's really coming to a place of just being surrendered unto the Lord and being willing uh, to stop doing things you shouldn't be doing or to start doing things you should Mm -hmm. in accordance to his will.
0: A recommitment.
1: That's right. And so for, for... what the question was that you laid out to me, it's my answer really comes back to just worshiping God rightly, and worshiping Him uh, by knowing Him and asking Him to 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 search your heart and to cleanse you. Because as they did that as leaders, that's this process of forgiveness that they're walking through, and so we see it and we see it in a way that's reflected not just in the in the how prepared we are right personally and privately, but also in the outward expression. That we saw in Nehemiah, to where their response was to was to give joyfully and and and, and give to the, the the temple and 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 Doctor Ewert did mention that it takes more than money; it takes time and gifts. And this in, in today's context, we have to recognize that, but we do also acknowledge that through the stewardship of how these people saw their possessions and their stuff they gave generously they shared joyfully into the temple and it started off uh, this exciting new relationship between people and god as that new purity takes place as 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 these new provisions took place, and as they praised him in this new way, in this new chapter, in this new season. And so um, they, they had expectant hearts and expectant eyes as they continued to do it. And so um, that's one of the things that I just saw that I, I loved uh, in how they navigated their response to this new season that they found themselves with the Lord in.
0: Yeah, and I think that's something that we need to be looking towards as well. Because I know here at Temple, especially, we are in a new season where a lot of things are changing um, for the better. And I think that if each and every one of us, just as members, can can really realize that and start turning our hearts, instead of just letting the church do their thing, you know, yeah. we are all a part um, of this body. To where if we can change our hearts and come alongside. Um, the leadership and the church as a whole, um, I think it's going to be a, a wonderful transformation that we see. So as we're moving to this new chapter, um, how does how does this story of Nehemiah really work in our hearts and show us that he's he's going to guide us in the direction that we need to be going?
1: I think the number one thing that I would strongly encourage us to do with that question is be driven to our knees. And prayer we see that prescribed in scripture we talk we talk about this all the time this dependence and need on him as we fix our eyes on him as we ask him to shift our hearts to beat in his rhythm and our eyes to see as he sees we are surrendered and yielding to his rule and reign privately as a family but also in unity as a congregation So scripture does give us an idea of what that looks like and so in psalm 95 it says that we do this with this disposition of thanksgiving in verse 1 it says come let us sing for joy to the lord let's shout joyfully at the rock of our salvation let's come before his presence with a song of thanksgiving let's shout joyfully to him in songs with instruments for the lord is great for the Lord is a great God and a great king, above all gods, in, in whose hand are the depths of the earth. The peaks of the mountains are also his. The sea is his. For it was, Ma- it was he who made it, and his hands formed the dry ground. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel. Before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God. And we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. For the Lord is my shepherd. That Psalm 23 disposition. The Lord is my shepherd. God is sovereign. God deserves. He not only deserves all the glory, but he deserves us really responding to him with this surrender and prayer. Search my heart. Use me, Lord. I am here. Guide us. Thy will be done. That is what I continue to see happen in the hearts of people throughout Nehemiah, but also their fruit, their works, their response. Selfless worship as they pray continually, as they share joyfully, as they meet together, these virtues that we see displayed in the lives of the people. These very same things I would encourage each and every single one of us to pray for and seek in our own lives as we navigate this season.
0: I know it's an oversimplification, but we are, as as followers of Jesus Christ, um, equated to sheep so many times in the Bible— um, and sheep are just very simple animals, and uh, it, it makes me happy every time I hear one of these scriptures talking about we just need to be a sheep following the shepherd. Because right. if you can, if you can strip away all of the craziness of this world, all we need to do is follow him. That's right. And it, like I said, it's a it's an oversimplification at times, but to the core of things, if we can just Ignore everything going on around us like a sheep does. We follow one after another as long as we're following behind Christ. That's all we're thinking about. Yeah. Is, is, that's where he's going, all right, I'll follow him.
1: The mm. Lord is my shepherd. I love it. So one of the listener questions that we got in was this one, and I'm going to form and I want, I want you to answer it, Tuck, because there's a piece of this that I think that really uh, not only you're walking through, but you've got experience and what the Lord has done in you and what He's continued to do through you. And so this is from a listener. It says, "I'm really struggling with anxiety and worry lately. I try praying, but still feel overwhelmed. How can I trust God more with the things causing my anxiety?"
0: What I would say is, it is so easy." in this day and age where we so often want that instant gratification, we want the easy answer. It is hard to sit and wait for the Lord, because the Lord doesn't always speak quickly, and he doesn't always give the exact thing that we're looking for. Um, And as we mentioned earlier, um, sometimes we are going through this season for a reason, and it is to get us prepared for something. Whereas if we just got an easy out, that would be wonderful, but it doesn't teach us all the time. And so I hear in this question, the struggle with anxiety and worry. And I know that when you're writing that out, what is below the surface is a lot bigger than what that sentence sounds like at first. But I would encourage to pray as you say, you're praying but to pray and then wait. Because something is coming that if you, are, if you are working with the Lord, if you are staying in him, something will come out of this. And I don't know if it is an easy answer. It probably won't be. I'm sorry for that. But what you will find as you get through this is that you have a strength that you didn't know that you had through him You will have a peace that you didn't know that you could have, and you will come out of it with a testimony that you never would have imagined.
1: That's beautiful, Tuck. Yeah. I just, yeah, I would just strongly encourage um, anyone, all of us, we struggle with these things often, and so I would just strongly encourage each of us to continue to do those things and to talk about it with people Mm -hmm. and share. And, and apply these things of scripture that we see through uh, the benefits of having community and the blessings of being in a small group mm-hmm. and sitting by someone that you know loves you deeply and loves the Lord and can encourage you or just be present with you in those moments of despair. And then you know, this, these topics are a lot of questions that a lot of people are asking. And so what's exciting about November, as we transition into a season of prayer and Thanksgiving at our church, uh, one of the messages that Dr. Ewart is going to be teaching on is this, this this very topic itself. And so I'm excited to do that. Uh, and we'll end up actually addressing this topic very clearly that next week on our podcast episode. So that'll be an exciting time. But Tuck, thank you so much for your honesty and transparency, and uh, I just appreciate that listener for writing that and submitting that question, and we just thank you all so much.
0: If you have any questions, feel free to send them over to templetalk at temple.church, and we will do our best to uh, get those addressed and and replied to. Um, And if you have anything that you'd like to send over to us, please do that. Uh, We're also available at temple.church for any information. Um, Bennett, do you mind closing us in a prayer?
1: Yeah, no problem. Father, thank you so much for who you are and what you've done. Thank you for bringing to remembrance your character and your faithfulness, how sovereign you are. Father, thank you for looking at the rubble that is our lives and seeing the potential. And Lord, thank you for placing us in this moment of time in a place that is seeking your face. Lord, we pray uh, against the enemy and we pray against his schemes. Uh, Lord, we pray for unity in our church and also Father, a hedge of protection over the pastor search team. We pray that you guard their hearts, their minds, their marriages and their homes and that Holy Spirit that they experience in a supernatural way, your alignment and your discernment as they continue to navigate this transition. Father, for us, for our church, Lord, we pray that we continue to grow in dependency on you, Father, that we continually to grow what it means to pray continually, to share joyfully, to worship God. Lord, that we continue to make Jesus known, that we live by the Bible, Lord, that we do these things as we seek first your kingdom, that, Father, we have a trust and a dependence on you to carry us in throughout the season, but ultimately to glorify your name in this church and through this church around the world. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: Thank you for joining us for another episode of Temple Talk. We hope that digging into God's Word together has enriched your perspective and brought encouragement. If you have any questions or topics you'd like to hear discussed on the podcast, feel free to email them at templetalk at temple.church. You can also visit our website at temple.church for more resources. We pray God will continue to bless you and your loved ones as you seek Him in Scripture. We'll see you next time on Temple Talk.